Lee Kelly, and this is That Moment Podcast, where you share stories of the moments your life changed. Today I'm having a conversation with the vibrant and creative Chrissy LaHood. Chrissy shares stories of that moment when big and small events changed the direction of her life and shaped who she is today. She talks about her early beginnings from being raised in a family of 11 children to working as a top marketing executive, discovering her sexuality amidst marriage and divorce, then experiencing a deeply personal tragedy that led her to move to a small alpine village in the heart of the South Island of New Zealand to set up a restaurant. Chrissy inspires us with her open and honest words and her courageous personal transformation to living a life that is authentic and joyful. Hi, Lee. <laughs> I meant to say hello first. <laughs> Sorry. Is this my podcast ever the, or your podcast? Ever the producer. No, today. You tell us about that. You used to be a producer, didn't you? Oh, I wasn't a producer. I was a, a writer in an ad agency, a writer and creative director. And as a writer, you write radio commercials and you produce them yourself. So you go along and, you know, have an actor. Okay. And an engineer and... Yeah. Okay, so tonight the roles are slightly reversed, is that correct? Well, you know, they may not be. <laughs> I know, I'm beginning to get a flavour of what this yeah. podcast... Are, are you a control freak? <laughs> you decide. Okay, so when I think of control freak, I think of perhaps your family with all those children. Yes. So so you've got like 20? Um, about 20, yeah. No, 11 altogether, but I was near the top, so... Organising those little ones mm. was a huge part of my life. And bossing them around. And, you know, we, we didn't do any, any fetching and carrying because it was like just these little <laughs> annoying and, and they would just do anything for you. It was good. So how many yeah. were there? Uh, Eleven. Eleven children. Yeah, Eleven. Wow. So where were you in the lineup? Um, third. Third. Mm. So did you have brothers, sisters? Like, how well, did it work? Uh, it's funny, it's sad really, because we we always say we're a family of 10, 5 and 5, but we actually had a little brother who died when he was 10 days old, and we just never include this little guy. Mm. So in the last year, I've had this, I'm, I, I've changed my ways, and I say I'm, I'm from a family of 11, because it's not quite as nice to say 6 and 5, but yeah, <laughs> 6 boys and 5 girls. Oh gosh, yeah. what was his name? Mark. Mark. Mm. Okay. And and your mum, she must have been. She Dorothy. Was, Dorothy. Oh, was yeah, she just Dorothy. like it? She was doing it for the Pope. Was she really? Oh, hell yeah. Ah. Doing it for the Pope. I mean, they were brainwashed, really. Well, that means she'll be in heaven for sure. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, she, she pretty, led a pretty blameless life. Um. Oh, Dottie. So you were raised Catholic? Yeah. Like strict, strict Catholic? No, we weren't the kneeling down with rosary beads kind of Catholics. Mm. We were more... Just we went to a Catholic primary school, and then uh, on Sundays we would go to church. Yeah. Mm. So how's that sort of upbringing with all those children, all that responsibility, with the kind of the religion and <clears throat> God, and I guess all of that, have kind of shaped you as a person I'm today. I'm very good at guilt. You, you, very oh. good, but I know I am. So <laughs> so that's a good. I've got an override, a little override. Right. Well, I'm still working on it, but yeah. Yeah. What's um, your override? What's your strategy? Uh, just know I'm doing it and, yeah, just rationalise my way out of it. Like, mm. you know, just trying to think. There's no point in doing something you don't want to do because mm. it'll end up badly, don't you think? You know, you know, if so you agree to do something you don't want to do, uh, you do it badly or, or 
or begrudgingly. get upset or mm. uh, have a fight with, you know, whatever. Mm. So I try not to do that. So I guess that's something you've kind of learned over the course of your life so far. You're better yeah. at saying no. I wish yeah. I, yeah, like it could have been a, you know, 20s, 25 lesson, not a 61 lesson. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? So what were you doing at 25, age 25? I was working in advertising. It was the 80s. And it was, did you ever watch Mad Men? I never watched Mad Men. Yeah. It's a good series. It was a little bit like that, honestly. It was, it was, there was just a, there was just a lot of money being splashed around on, and, you know, it it was, what can I say? I worked at Saatchi's, you know, we thought we were. There's these mm. great influences, you know, in, mm. in those days, mm. and you probably don't remember, but we actually used to run ads, advertising ourselves on TV, mm. you know, and, and, and ads which, you know, kind of were quite pompous, you know, we talk mm. about, you know, how we think thought the rest of the country should live or how people should live. Or, Give us an example of one of your adverts, if you can um, remember. Oh, mine. Well, my, probably my, my biggest campaign was the, in the one that, you know, made a big difference in my career was the mainland cheese mm-hmm. campaign but the way back the very first one when we had this old man and it was great it was fun so that was probably the most famous one um the others you wouldn't remember mm. there's still an old man yeah. though in the mainland cheese there there's, is there's two yeah. old men now they're not yeah, the same it's not the right. same one is it he'd yeah. be dead by now no really. he is well dead yeah <laughs> but it was great we would go to the west coast and you know you in those days you had these elaborate sh- it was nothing mm. like today where mm. you'd come up with a TV commercial, you never cared about the budget. You had a budget, but, Mm. you know, if the client liked it, they would find more money and you'd send out a script to one of these production companies and they'd send back an enormous, ridiculous price and we'd all all go off to the West Coast for a week shooting and, oh, Sounds like a lot of fun. So you It was a lot of fun, yeah. How did you train for that? Did you do some sort of degree Uh, or was it...? No, 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 I never went to uni. I worked. What did I do? Oh, I I did. I went to. <laughs> I trained as a computer. I went to be a computer operator when I left school mm-hmm. at seventeen. Were you at a, like a, a Catholic girls' school? I was at Inglewood High. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't. I oh, Inglewood High School. <laughs> it's a four hundred person country. Okay, Taranaki is that where you from? Taranaki, yeah, yeah. I better say it properly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I, I, yeah, so I, I got this job as a computer operator Mm. in, in New Plymouth and at a computer bureau and imagine your house here, this whole house being filled with, um, a single computer and a (laughs) single computer was, yeah, filled a whole house and it had the interface was like a, you know, like a calculator with paper coming out, you know, those mm. old sort of Eddy machine, like an Eddy machine. And that's how you communicated with the computer. And you would load these massive magnetic reels onto this machine and go around and all these machines, be, the computer chugging away. And do you know what we were doing? We were we would we would be printing the or creating the invoices or payroll for the local engineering company. Mm-hmm. Like this whole room, whole computer room would be doing these menial tasks. I mean, it was ridiculous, really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I then went to Wellington to become a computer operator because I knew I needed to get the hell, get the <laughs> hell out of Inglewood. What was the population of Inglewood? It was 
2,500, I think, then. Oh, gosh. a little bit bigger than now. That's small. Yeah. It's a very, you know, I went back recently. My sister was staying there. And it's a very cute town, Mm. I have to say. I mean, Mm. it was a great place to grow Mm. up. And so what was the big city that you went to? Wellington. I loved it. And, yeah, it was a real sort of civil service town in those days. Mm. But... It was still really cool for to a girl from Inglewood. So, mm. you know, you're talking about transformations. It was a massive transformation mm. for me. I was like, what was your moment when you knew you had to get out of Inglewood? Oh, Did you have a, like it was, one day yeah, the computer yeah, broke down? It was, and... it was a. It was working. <laughs> yeah, I was working there. I don't know. I was. I think I was. There was a. There was one of the programmers. I was. I think I was just quite obsessed with her. And I used to start dressing like her and, you know, talking like her. And she'd been to Wellington. She'd trained. And I just wanted to be her. Did you have a crush on her? Or was oh, it I had a massive, <laughs> oh, looking back now, a massive crush on her. But you her. didn't know that then. No, it was didn't. the 80s. I didn't. Well, I, I probably did deep down. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I remember walking along Devon Street in New Plymouth, the main street, with my boyfriend. And I was eating an apple and I was just talking about where I worked and what a great place. And he, he said to me, I don't know who you are. I don't, who is this person who's eating an apple while walking along and saying all these things? And I went, yeah, you're right. See ya. And I just went, I've got to get out of here. Mm. It was so sudden and so dramatic. Sometimes it's like that, isn't it? It can be yeah. a huge event or it can just be someone saying something or Absolutely. you see a word, yeah. you, you see a picture, you mm. hear a song and then that's it. You, yeah. Your, your life changes. Yeah. And people often go, oh, how could you leave all that behind? Well, that mm. must have been a massive wrench. Mm. Never. It's never been like that for me. Mm. It's always been. Just when you know it's time to, to change and yeah. go, you're, you're just off. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you went to Wellington. Came to Wellington, wanted to be a hippie, but kind of just a little bit late for that. Mm. Um, And went to the YWCA and met a whole lot of new friends Mm. on my second day there, who are still friends I'm friends with today. Oh, that's fantastic. It was really good, Mm. yeah, and just had a great time. And anyway, I did this course, but realised it wasn't really me. I... They sent us out for six weeks to work in a in a computer place, you know, to for work experience. And I went to work at this computer bureau in Courtney Place, and they gave me this big stack of you know computer programs would come on a big that computer paper, you know, that sort of yes. zigzag paper. Mm-hmm. So they handed me a pile of this and showed me to a desk and said, "You have to work out what's going on. Something wrong with this program." And I went, oh, "Okay." And I sat down at this desk, literally for the entire time, six weeks or four weeks or six weeks, whatever it was, nobody spoke to me. Nobody asked me how I was getting on. I would just sit down there. I would look blankly at this piece of paper, this pile of paper, not having a clue what the program was for. I mean, I've always sort of felt it was. I was just such an idiot, but... Also, they were idiots. I mean, they mm. didn't help me or, or give me any context. Anyway, I knew by the end of that that I could never, I could never um, work in computer programming. And so you left? Yeah, so I, I, I had a boyfriend who worked in radio. That seemed a lot better. So I um, mm. seemed like heaps of fun. So I applied for a radio cadetship at Radio New Zealand. 
at RNZ. Yeah, at RNZ oh, in Wellington. Yeah. And what did you do there? You... Well, I ended up as a copywriter. Ah. Copywriter is the person who writes the ads. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So you're 25, you're in Wellington. Well, this was, this was, I was think I was about 18, 19 oh, when gosh. I started. Yeah, about 19. Gosh. And then so yeah. you sort of kept on in the industry and ended up at Saatchi. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did end up at Saatchi. I think I was about, yeah, what was I? Yeah, about 25 actually when mm. I went to Saatchi's and I was there for about 10 years. And so in that time, you you got married. I know you've got a couple of children. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I I did. I got married to Nigel, um, and we had two kids. And then in 1995, we broke up. Mm. And it was one of those things where I just, one day, it was one of those moments where I just mm-hmm. went... Is this do I is this is this the life I want to be living? You know, I was I was working full time, he was working full time, we had a full time nanny, we were just relentlessly busy. I was the person I was the person just running around, you know, he was lying on the couch watching, you know, sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I was just running around and all the you just you know, I when you have Super a nanny, yeah, yeah. When you have a nanny, it, do, it doesn't mean you have less work. It just mm. you just because another person to organise and you know putting money out for the you know some school trips and yeah, just it was mad. Mm. And I just went one day, what, what the hell, what the hell? Mm. How old were you? I was um, thirty-five. Mm. And your children were? Five and three. So super sad for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I made the mistake of saying, I'm just going to go and stay with Uncle Grant for a couple of weeks and I'll be back. And for years, years, until they were teenagers, they said, you said you were going to come back and you never came back, which was, and I'll be like, guys, you know, (laughs) I didn't know myself what was going Mm -hmm. on. You know, it was a bad time. Where was Uncle Grant? Oh, he was just in Mount Vic, just around the corner. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so the kids stayed with Nigel when, mm. when you left? Oh, no, yeah. no. They, oh, they did for about a week or mm. two, and then we just had them half and half. Mm. It's funny what kids yeah. remember, isn't it? Yeah, do yours do that? <laughs> yeah, they do. All sorts yeah. of things. I'll come back and say, but you did this and that. And I'm like, well, actually, no, you did have your own room for a few years. You yeah. weren't, you know, you didn't have to sleep with all your sisters on so, the top bunk So half done by. <laughs> yeah. What about accusatory stuff for oh, they're not too breaking bad up that. with their father? No. Uh, no, my kids have been quite quite good around mm. the whole divorce. That's cool. They've, I think, they've all had their moments of anger, mm. and I'm sure they've had moments where they don't like me and mm. are angry at me and or whatever. But they've they've been quite forgiving as well mm, nice. around all of that. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely for me that going through a divorce has been one of my hardest, yeah, transformative moments. Would that mm. would that be the same for you? You've got yeah. a few other big ones though. Haven't it was you? it was yeah. yeah it was no it was pretty tough. I felt terrible, and you know at the same time I just you know kind of you know I guess it was always sort of simmering down there. I thought you know I always wanted to be with women. Even when I was mm. young, I was like really fancy girls, but you didn't do anything about it because you weren't you know. Mm. I honestly, as moronic as this sounds, mm. I thought that everybody felt an attraction for the same sex. But they just didn't do it because it was wrong, oh. you know. That you, it was, yeah. Anyway, so, so, so at the same time, I'm going, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Were you attracted to boys as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I yeah. guess you'd call yourself, what, bisexual? Not no, really, no. no, no I definitely no. identify okay. as a lesbian because, okay. I, you know, it's it's my world as well. And mm. I, I love having this. I love my big gay fano, you know. Mm. It's a huge part of my life now. Mm. And so... So how did that all come about? I think that's one of the things I'm really fascinated about with you and your story, mm-hmm. is that you did have this marriage and children and did the whole, you know, right thing back then, mm-hmm. the way it seemed, yeah. and that you had to discover yourself in this mm-hmm. time that, what, I mean, what t- year are we talking? Are uh, we... 1985. Okay, so... People are still pretty closed. Or do you find them more open well, back then? Well, they were definitely in, in a small town, and mm. I, there were there was only one out lesbian couple when I was young, mm. and I couldn't really identify with them. Mm. I mean, they were, you know, I saw them a lot, but they were sort of like quite butch lesbians, not mm. like me, you know. Mm. So I didn't have the role models, and it, mm. I didn't know that it was sort of okay and cool and, and fun I guess, and all those things that it really is. Yeah. You know? Well, it's being who you are. Isn't it's it? being it's who you are. Being cool exactly who you are. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's it what's cool and fun. Yeah, whether it's you're, true. You know, whoever, whatever that, <laughs> yeah. however that I'm manifests. Am I selling it too hard? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I, these, these, these two ladies in your town, women, yeah. um, did you did your family sort of you know look down on them and say oh they're those two? It was definitely you know? something they were they were absolutely you know part of the community yes. and you know they ran the baseball team of right. course. Oh. <laughs> um, was it baseball, softball, whatever mm. they played? Um, but oh, a really weird thing happened only a few years ago where. I was at my aunt's 80th in Inglewood and the sister-in-law or sister, sister-in-law of one of these, one of the women was at this party and she's about 80 and I said to her, I don't know, I had too much to drink, I don't know. I said to her, uh, I think I introduced Caroline, my partner, and um, I said, you know, your sister was the only, your sister and her girlfriend were the only only lesbians that I ever knew growing up and she was like not my sister (laughs) and she did this whole no 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 they weren't no no and Mm. I was I was just devastating and I was I felt so embarrassed Mm. for a start and then Caroline was laughing her ass off and going Mm. (laughs) you know why did you say that Mm. but then I thought bloody old lesbian denier I was really angry afterwards at her. I was like, for God's sake. You know, it was clearly they were a couple. Yeah. And you think all those years later, Mm. she could... Couldn't acknowledge. Couldn't acknowledge. Yeah. Tell me about Caroline. How did you... So you you, you went Um, through the process of separating and and divorce. Was that a long, drawn-out thing or was it... No, it was... You left probably a year, mm-hmm. yeah. And we've always had a really good relationship because mm. we've got a, one very difficult child. So mm. we've always had to spend a lot of time um, <laughs> in meetings, yeah. in courtrooms, whatever, with him. Mm. So we've always had to be getting on. We've mm. always had to get on, and and mm. and he's a very he's a good person, a very mm. reasonable person. Mm. And you know, if you're going to have somebody. You know, have children with Nigel's a you know, mm. he, you know, he's a great person to do that with. So, so that was a plus. But so that wasn't too long. He he got together with someone else pretty quickly and had two more children. Mm. 
and then I had I had you know various sort of partners and then women or women women yeah mm-hmm. no more men okay so you, you made yeah. a decision when you came yeah oh, I might have, I, look I might have slept with a man or two <laughs> in there but no yeah generally no mm. which is not to say I never would you mm. know if I really connected with someone. But it's just it's a little bit unlikely. But well, you never know. You never yeah, know. The first time not looking. So, like, you obviously, you'd been with men, and then you went with your woman for the first a woman for the first time. Yeah. Was it just a relief? Like, oh, oh this oh, is who I am. Was the best thing. Was oh it? my god, I was absolutely obsessed. Yeah, no. Oh. Look, I was thirty five, and you know what? Yes. Women at thirty five, it is your sexual peak. Yes. And I was like, it was yes. great. Oh, awesome. Yeah, it was mm. amazing. Um, but. I was with someone after straight after Nigel, but I was so sort of guilt ridden. I couldn't, it, could, it couldn't, and, and you know, it was pretty difficult for her because she wanted something that I just wasn't capable of giving because I was just so messed up and felt guilty, you know, guilt. <laughs> mm. um, and so a couple of years later, I met, I was at a party in Wellington and I met this woman, her cheekiest bitch you've ever met, English, been in the country two days. She was with her girlfriend and she was having a go at the asparagus rolls at this party. As in they weren't good enough? What what the hell are those? (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah, she was a real piss taker. And we just got on really well and we became became friends. And I guess we, there was always a bit of an attraction, which I kind of didn't really acknowledge until, because I was with someone else and so was she, until about a year later when she told me that she loved me. And I was like, well, you, know, you are in a relationship. I wasn't by then. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that took a little while for her to extract herself out of that. And it was then, brave of her to say that to you, even though you hadn't. I know. But I guess you were friends. We were friends, but... Yeah, yeah, it was. It was pretty naughty, really, mm-hmm. because, you know. She was in a relationship. Yeah, she was yeah. in a relationship. But anyway, we ended up being together, and that was great for about, oh, yeah. It was, and it was, yeah, it was just, it was just really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was a very, um, uh, what was she, what was she like? Super irreverent in a very mm. English way. Southeast Sounds- London girl. <laughs> Sounds like my partner. Oh, yeah, he's English, right? He's English. Yeah. And he's she's so funny all the time. Yeah. And when they yeah. swear, it sounds yeah. acceptable. Hell it's, yeah. it's funny, you Hell know. Yeah. Like an English, you know, if Kiwi says fuck, it's mm. kind of like, oh, yeah. no, don't swear. Whereas he yeah. says, and I just laugh. Yeah. Yeah, we, we all learn to swear. In fact, yeah. my daughter, you know, even, you know, she's known by two of her friends as Potty Mouth. And it all comes from Caroline, you know, just teaching us all to swear like hell. Oh. Anyway, so she was, I mean, just so much fun. Mm-hmm. I think she'd look at me now and she'd go, you are so boring. <laughs> you know, look how hard you work. Because work, she, you know, she was a director and, you know, worked, did, worked on TV shows and stuff. But, you know, she'd do anything to get it. She's real work shy. Mm-hmm. She'd do anything to, you know, mm-hmm. she'll, she'll do it. But then she's always looking for the fun. So you were sort of aligned with your advertising and... Television work and uh, yeah, well, you know, not really aligned, but yeah, mm. we knew what was involved in each okay. other's worlds. Yeah. So you got married, yeah. didn't you? We got civil unions. You couldn't oh, get married, oh, of course. Yeah. 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 So I think there was in. I'm thinking maybe it was 2005. Yeah, somewhere around there. And that was how long yeah. after you'd sort of got together? Got together in 2001, 
Um, and yeah, and then yeah, so I, I she actually was she used to work at the BBC and BBC Radio, and and then when she came here, she retrained as a director because they just went the she had she used to have a live music show in London and she can never do something like that mm. here. So she retrained, went to film school, and, yeah, it was good. What so, did you do together that was so much fun? Oh, we went on a lot of holidays, roadies. Yeah, we were always off somewhere, just mm. travelling around. How did your family and friends accept you, I guess, yeah, come, they, re, and re, her? Well, yeah. I suppose it was in stages. Um, I think having having a civil union, well, let's just call it a wedding because it was mm. just like a wedding, um, made a massive difference to, you know, my sort of heterosexual friends mm-hmm. who always sort of looked at me since I left Nigel and were like, oh, oh, there's another girlfriend, you know, oh, look, oh, whatever, who's this? But when I got married and they all came, they could, you know, they could see that. And that was important. It was really important to do that. And my family as well and my father, you know, you know, there's something about, you know, I went off and did, I did all the right things, you know. I married the man in a suit and I had a boy and a girl and, I, you know, I had, did all that. Had the that. career. And I the, did all that, yeah. So and, now I could yeah. do anything. Honestly, mm. nobody's going to say anything. Mm. No one in my family is going to say anything. And my father, you know, he knew what side his bread was buttered. He wanted to come and hang out with us and have oh. holidays and stuff. So, no, he loved Caroline. Everyone loved Caroline. Mm. She was a real hoot. And, um, and your mum? Oh, she was dead, well mm. dead by then. She died when I was 30. That's quite young for you, but I guess yeah. she'd had a lot of children, hadn't she? Yeah, she... ovarian cancer. Oh. So rude. Yeah, I mean, of all the things. But there is a, we've got a BRCA gene mutation in our family, so she had that. Um, Poor old Dottie. Anyway, um, so, but I think she would, she would have loved Caroline. Mm. I think she would. So tell me, tell me what happened to Caroline. Uh, <laughs> was this I one of those? Laugh. This is one of those moments, it's isn't not it? Funny. And it's not a funny it's moment. A I funny. know it's not a funny moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, she wouldn't care. That laugh or cry. It's yeah, the, the she. Bottom. We were on a on a ski weekend at Whakapapa Ski Field, and it was uh, it was just we never went there. We were tour people. And I'd only been there once before. Anyway, we got a bit lost. She had to take her... It was a windy day. It was a weird and windy day. She had to take her board off. I had to take... Did I take my skis off? Anyway, she had to take her board off and the and the wind carried the board away and she basically chased after it and fell to her death. She, um, yeah, she went over a cliff and I didn't find out till a year later, actually. She, she had sort of hit a snowbank, which... Pre- she propelled her down the mountain and she was stopped by a rocky outcrop and she had a big head injury and broken neck and, mm-hmm. yeah, died instantly. And there were some climbers in this in this part of the mountain called, what's it called? The amphitheatre. There were some climbers in there and they found her at first. But I was down getting the lunch and I saw this helicopter. It was just, it was just weird. You know how when you have a tragedy or something like that, you can remember every single detail? Mm-hmm. 
you know, like just can you remember it any ordinary day? No, but you can remember every detail of those sort of weird days. And I saw this helicopter going, and I just got this bad feeling, and I was calling her, and her phone was never answered, but it was going in and out of range, which was really weird as well. Anyway, that was her, over, and, uh, yeah, that took a couple of years of kind of just getting over it, really. I went, I had this great doctor who'd lost his wife when their kids were little, and he said, go back to work, move back to town because we were living in our beach house, move back to town and walk two hours a day. And I just did everything he, he mm. said and it was great advice really. Mm. Yeah. So then came one of those transformative <laughs> moments. I'm I'm still with her going over the cliff actually. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm still yeah. kind of there. I haven't in this conversation right now I'm I'm yeah. still just imagining that. Yeah. How random. Yeah. So random. How random that was. She was really angry at the time. She was stomping. In fact, I could I, I could see her. She was like 50 metres away from me. Mm-hmm. And she was jumping up and down like Rumpelstiltskin. Because that's, you know, she could lose mm-hmm. it like that. You know, one of those high energy, mm-hmm. mad characters. And there was some other, some guy down there and, and he was kind of talking to her. And Why was she angry? Because her board had gone. She thought she'd lost her oh. board. So, you know, had I gone down there and said, we'll buy a new board tomorrow, she'd still be alive today. Have you beaten yourself up about that? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. If only I'd. Yeah. 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 But um, we were with, also with a friend and the friend was was like, oh, I'll go and see what, I'll go and see what the story is and we'll see you down at the car. So I was mm. like, oh, okay, that's nice. So did to. you see her when you were up at the, the cafe or wherever you were? Did you see her run off to try and chase her? Uh, no, I was board? just on the side of the mountain. Okay. Yeah, just on the track. Mm. We were together and then mm. and then she went off. Okay. Yeah. How did you, you know, how did the process of events go when that happened and they recovered the body? And Well, um, I was down at the car. Annie came down. And I said, have you seen Caroline? She was like, no, she was just running around after a board. I haven't seen her. And I was like, and how did I say, maybe I said to her, I've got a bad feeling. I've just seen a helicopter. And she said, I'll go to the sick bay, whatever, the medical centre. So she went up there and I sort of followed her up. And she came, she had got there before me and she came out and she said no. And then they... Oh, they said to her, oh, 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 maybe we were just standing around outside and someone came out and said, oh, are you missing someone? And we said, yeah, and she said, come inside. And um, they took us into this back room and they kind of kind of just, you know, figured out who we were and they were like, look, she's, she, she's fallen and um, she's dead. And I was like, no. No, can't you know? It's all of the sort of classic things you just cannot believe this is true. Mm. But yeah, no, it was. It was pretty. Oh yeah, full on. How did you get through that sort of time? You know that that very first initial day or days or period? Yeah, weeks. Um, a lot of friends. I mean, mm. I've got we've got great friends in Wellington, like a oh, like a you know a group of. And any, we were just all, everyone just was there, and we just got it, got through it as a group. Really, you know, we made a lot of the decisions together. It took me a long time to get over 
the shock, you know, the mm. like like ringing her father, ringing her sister, ringing her best friend, telling them was. Mm. It took me, you know, I was I had like a post traumatic where mm. I would just hit this. I would just suddenly just remember and just have this adrenaline reaction and. I actually did, Caroline had done Vipassana about six weeks before she died and so we'd been meditating a lot and I had intended to go. So three months after she died I went and I did a lot of work on that stuff and, and actually that cured me of that. PTSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And so with, with the funeral, was it huge? You know, people from Yeah, everywhere. it was huge, yeah. Um, some people came up from, well, her sister and father and nephew and um, best friend came out from England. Mm. Did you speak? Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. So it was a celebration? Yeah. yeah, oh, hell, definitely a mm. celebration, yeah. And and a lot of laughs, you know, mm. lots of videos of her being naughty and, yeah, mm. yeah, she would have liked it. Although she probably would have liked it to be you know, twice as long because it was only an hour. Mm. You know, she would have liked it to be about a drawn-out mm. affair about four hours, but it was good. It was w- good. Were you angry? You know, was there anger? That um, I don't know. I know that's one of the stages. They, yeah, they I can't talk remember. about the stages of grief, don't they? But yeah. I think it's different for everybody. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a this-can't-be period, but, you know, when somebody's dead, you know, yeah, I, I, I remember thinking of you just I just going around and around and and I just trying to approach it from every angle, looking for a different way to interpret it other than this person is dead. And I, I it was like you've got a ball and you've got a whole lot of those like coloured pins. It's like I keep thinking like coloured pins stuck in this ball and every pin was a, is a different way of looking at it and I was just looking for some other way that, that there would be some other explanation other than that or I don't know but I just I just keep trying to find another I don't know was I trying to find another that it wasn't real or 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 trying to look at all the facts that led up to it and uh, I don't know but yeah that's definitely a weird phase Mm. was that in the first sort of that was in the first couple of weeks yeah just the, mm. the complete shock and disbelief yeah. that no, that, disbelief. that actually can't yeah. be true. Yeah, because that's yeah. wasn't meant to happen. No, that, that wasn't meant to happen. Hell no. Yeah. Although, although she had already picked her funeral songs, so in a way, really, yeah, hell yeah, yeah. She talked about dying. She had talked about dying. I mean, I'm not saying that she killed herself. I'm saying that she she was quite into this idea of, you know, she wanted, you know, a big funeral and she wanted all of these, you know, these are the songs. I already knew I already knew what she wanted played. So um, she would say to me, uh, what would how would you feel, you know, how would you be if I died? And I would say I would I'd say, uh, I'd be I'd be devastating, but I'd get on with my life and you know, I'd get mm. over it eventually because I'm practical mm. like that and she'd mm. be furious. <laughs> absolutely furious. No you know, yeah, no, she didn't like didn't like the idea that I would move on. 
So this part's funny. My partner also has a, a playlist for his funeral. <laughs> <laughs> when we go on road trips, we'll, we'll put on his playlist. Yeah. Cause it's got such good songs. Yeah. But is that a sign, do you think? It could be a sign. <laughs> oh, no. It could be a sign. Because we, we would have, we had, we have a, not that they, these all of these songs were on it necessarily, but we always had a, like a sad, oh, should we have a cry? <laughs> we have a sad playlist and we'd play some sad, super sad songs and we'd be like, Oh gosh! <laughs> but yeah, so she she we did talk about that. Um, and did, so, did you feel her? Do you, do you feel oh, her yeah. now? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, not so much now, no. Mm. But I definitely did. I used to feel her a lot, and I saw her once really clearly. What do you mean? Well, I just I was I had gone. It was about three months after she died, and I'd gone to a party, and I just kind of like really wasn't coping, and I'd left the party. It was a lunch thing. And I was driving up the coast to home, and I was howling, and then I just, I just. This could be too wiggy for a podcast. Sorry. No, I've got some good ideas for other podcasts around this. <laughs> okay, and and her face was just. I'm driving right, mm. so but her face is just right there in front of me, just there, and a and a you can't blink it away kind of mm. thing. And the weird thing about it is, in this, she didn't say anything, but her she was completely calm and composed, and she was never calm and composed pretty much mm. unless she was asleep <laughs> and 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 I and I knew that she was saying to me I'm I'm absolutely mm. fine I knew that's what she was saying with this mm. calm composed serene look which she never had in life mm. so did that bring you comfort yeah super 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 helpful yeah mm. that was good mm. and yeah, I had other things I had lots of tingles we we had a big weekend where we all got together, a whole lot of us, and and Awakuni to scatter her ashes off this bridge. Some of her ashes. Her ashes have gone everywhere. Have you got some left? Uh, no, no. I have it my they're in, in the garden, but no, not in. Her father's still got some, I think, on the mantelpiece. But we had a full Viking funeral where we put these some ashes on a raft, burning raft, and sent it out into Lyle Bay where she loved to surf. So. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And her family came from... Not for that part, but mm. they came for the main main mm. funeral, yeah. Anyway, so a couple of years after that, I, I just knew I had to change my life. Mm. I just, it was just one of those, okay, now I'm, now I'm ready to move on. Because you went to that, the doc, was it the doctor you said who told you to walk two hours a day and yeah. that was right get at the a beginning. job, get a work? I'll work, go back to work and... and, and um, move back to town. Mm. Yeah. Where were you when you say when you're out of town? Were you uh, just up on the Carpety Coast? Oh, okay. Yeah. So and so that. you did that, and then did that. then when did you? And then went. Oh, you know, I just yeah had this overwhelming urge to get out of Wellington. You know, I could have lived on in a you know have a perfectly nice life, but I I didn't want to live the same life without her. Mm. As, so I was going to go to Auckland to. Um, live with a friend there and I guess work I would have been doing the same kind of work I would have been freelancing probably and advertising when my little brother who lives here has been here since he was 22 I think and he's he's got an electrical business but he's also got a restaurant and he rang up and said um, hey this these premises are coming up in great site 
in um, on the lakefront, um, we should do something. And so we had a look at it, and I was kind of dubious because I had actually had a restaurant in my early 20s with my boyfriend um, at the time, and it was a pretty horrible experience. I mean, it was hard work, and unless you really took, unless you really, unless you run it like a business, it's never going to be good. So you had it was a business that you had. It was a business, yeah. But he ran it. I just worked in there Mm -hmm. um, after after my advertising job, really Mm -hmm. at nights. And but he we he we had no idea. You know, it was just Mm -hmm. there was no there was no nothing business like Mm -hmm. about it. Or and we didn't even have a vision really. Mm. What sort of food was it? Oh, just like cosmopolitan food. It was it depended on who the chef was, really. You know, okay. we had we had different chefs, and they sort of bought their vision, but you know, nothing like. Anyway, so the but, but, but so I was a little bit dubious, but the more we looked at it, the more kind of yeah, it seemed like. And this it, was down to be down in Wanaka. And your Monica, brother's in yeah, Wanaka. Yeah, he's in Wanaka. Okay. And so, so had he approached you and said, "Oh, there's," or had you been talking? Had you been? Yeah, saying, we had. Yeah. yeah, he'd come to Wellington, and I'd said, um, "Hey, if something comes up for the La Hood sisters, because I was, mm-hmm. you know, had a sister in Perth who I thought should come back to New Zealand. Her kids had left home. Mm-hmm. There's really no reason for her to be in Perth. And you know, she'd vaguely talked about coming home anyway. Um, and so we kind of got her involved, and yeah, she she did it. Shares. Yeah, oh. shares. Go shares. Um, she was an accountant and, you know, she had a pretty sort of cruisy life. But I think she's pretty happy she's come back here. Yeah. So had you been, you know, did your brother, when, when you were thinking of this restaurant or even before that, had you thought, I am I need to make a change? I'm. Yeah. It was one of those... You don't really think externally. I have to make a change. It's like a, it's something in here. That a restlessness. Go, yeah, it's going. I'm looking. For, no, I just it just it just evolves. It comes out like an idea, mm. like a like a bubble that mm. just comes out of nowhere. And often you need that external thing that comes in, and you go, Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Like I know for yeah. me, when I was came out of my marriage, and. I didn't know what I was doing and where I was going to live, and I was mm. in a shop in Wanaka one day, in Christchurch one day, and I remember just sort of saying, oh, just, I need a sign. Mm-hmm. And then a good friend of mine just rung me in that, that moment, and I said, where are you? And she said, oh, I'm in Wanaka. And I said, I'm coming down to visit. And then literally I visited her, then six weeks later I moved. Wow. So you'd been living in Christchurch? I'm, though. yeah, born and bred in Christchurch. Ah, so okay. that was my one of my moments yeah. of like just... Asking yeah. help, I don't know what I'm doing, what I'm meant to do, where I'm meant to live. Yeah. How do I navigate mm. this, all of this? And yeah. that was it. This person just rang me. She didn't even mean to ring me. She said, "Oh, oh, it's you." I was, was meant to ring. Tile. I was meant to ring. <laughs> I was meant to ring the other Lee that I know. And I'm like, I don't care. Where are you? <laughs> no, you weren't. You yeah. were supposed to call me. <laughs> yeah. So often, you know, those moments. Yeah. You know, that was that was one of my moments mm. of complete. Just that was it. Yeah. My life. Became living here in Wanaka. Twelve years. Wow. Yeah, a year before the earthquakes mm. in Christchurch. Ah, oh, so you weren't in the earthquakes. I was not. But this is not about me. This oh, is about okay. back to you. Back to me. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I had another really weird transformative time. Actually, I was really stuck. I was in Wellington. I'd been 
you know, out of my marriage and, you know, sort of going out with this person but not able able to commit and I was really wishy-washy about my job and everything. I was really just... And I remember going... I was smoking. I wanted to give up smoking and all, everything was wrong, seemed felt wrong. And Wellington has a great film festival and I went to... I did nothing else but went to films for two weeks and I came out of that a new person. Ah. So it can happen, you know, something like that can happen as well. And I came out of it and I didn't, I stopped smoking, I got out of the relationship, I made a whole lot of great decisions about, you know, bought a house, mm. got a job, different job. And, Was yeah. there one film that spoke to you above all others? Yeah, I, I remember um, um, El, El, Elmadova, Pedro Elmadova. Mm-hmm. Pedro? Anyway, he, um, all about my mother. It's a oh, great film. I, I cried from the start of it to the end, mm. and I think that was the one. That was the one I came what out. Was, and went, what was? And, and what I was it? That good cry. And what was it in that movie that actually? Just I can't remember. Can't remember. No. Okay, you thought you might have sort of, you know. <laughs> no, no, knew the theme. Nothing or to impart there. Okay, but it just made you cry. Yeah, okay, cool. It was really good. So, moved to Wanaka. Moved to Wanaka. Moved to Wanaka. Uh, five years ago. A little bit more than five years ago. Tell me about your Wanaka restaurant. I mean, I know and love Big Fig <laughs> with all my heart. Good girl. <laughs> and that's how I met you, of course, yeah. and your yeah. sister Shaz. Yeah. And I think that's why I've always been really inspired by you in terms of knowing your story and that you just go, up. Oh, I'm going to go set up a restaurant. And so how do you do that? Did you have the skills? Did you Do you love food? Uh, what's yeah, the... cr- crazy for food. Mm. And I, before Caroline died, I decided, had decided that it was time for her to um, support me because I wanted to get out of advertising by the time mm. I was 50. And so I was like, yeah, baby, you get out to work <laughs> and I'm going to stay home. And it was a weird time mm. staying home. And I did it for four years and all I did was cook and garden. Really? How old yeah. were you? What was, I what was, age well, 50. Think? Okay. We bought the section next door and I was turning it into this big allotment and, and I would just and she'd go off to work or the gym or whatever she in town and I would be up at the beach cooking. Cooking up a storm. And yeah. I loved it and really I mean I I had always cooked, but I mm. think it, I just became a little bit more obsessed and Could you have your family has Lebanese? Yeah. Roots. Our, far, right? our our grandparents yeah. came out when they were kids from Lebanon with their respective families. In the early 1900s. So is that your father's Father's, parents? yeah. Uh, my, our mother's a whitey. Mm. But, um, yeah, and and although my, our father was born here, so a lot of very Middle Eastern mm. kind of, you know, things about him. Mm. What, like? Oh, eating olives for breakfast, you know, just this general hospitality thing. Mm. Um which I it sounds awful because I've kind of been disparaging about it, but scary hospitality a little bit, where he spends a lot of the time you're visiting going, why do you have to leave? Why didn't you come earlier? You know, like spoils it basically. That's what he was like. I would be it's dreadful, and I and I know anyway. It's 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 I would ne- I never do this to my children ever because mm-hmm. it was done to me where I would arrive from Wellington and he'd first thing he'd say is when are you leaving and I'd say mm, Sunday morning no <laughs> God, stop, stop. 
and then you had to make you feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. Because I think he was doing it because he thought it would make you feel mm. loved, yeah, welcomed, well, welcomed. Because mm. that's what it was like. So did you, you know, your brother makes contact with you, and did you suddenly think, oh, let's make a Lebanese food? No. Restaurant? Now, how did all that? No. I'm be- really well, it was well. We knew process. it had to be something that you couldn't have a because it's a tiny kitchen. Have you looked in the kitchen there? Absolutely I don't know tiny. how you guys do it. Yeah. Don't know how the yeah. chefs do it. How how we pump out that much food? <laughs> it's you know for over five years the system in there has been getting better and it, mm. always better and better and better, and it's never been as good as it, as it is now. Just mm. the way the way it's set up and the the way people work in there and manage mm. to yeah, it's incredible. But um, so we knew it had to be a fast food place. And just tossing around stuff, and I and I was a very, I wanted it to be authentic because you know you go you go to you go to a lot of those ethnic places like in Queenstown, and then they're not you know they're they're Korean places not owned by Korean people. I'm not mm. saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but it's mm. I like it's nice to be able to do something that you know that you've got a, an attachment to. Mm-hmm. And it's bloody good food as well, Middle Eastern food. There's nothing. And Amazing. it's also it's got, having its day in the sun, I have to. Luckily, mm-hmm. fortunately, you know, mm-hmm. people are sort of quite quite into it at the moment. Mm-hmm. So you so know. you kind of had a vision of what you wanted to create? Yeah. Monica? Yeah, we knew we mm-hmm. wanted to do, you know, sort of good, yummy food mm-hmm. that people didn't have to wait around for. And... Don't have the time to create themselves. Yeah. Because it takes a lot of forethought to think, I'm going to have beef cheeks mm. yeah. for dinner tonight. I need to get it well, in. They cook for 12, they marinate for 12 hours, right. and cook for 12 hours. What was the biggest challenge in setting setting it up? Um, we're working out how we were going to sell the food and, mm. and you know, how how yeah, how yeah you would do it. And I think and you probably came right at the beginning. We probably changed how we were selling the food about three times in three weeks. Mm. Um just trying to get and and even now it's pretty challenging and getting a, a, a lot of those young people to serve food mm. you know they're plating they're, they're putting the they're putting the food on the plate for you mm. and getting them to not you know when yeah. they're busy and you've got a queue it's like I, I say we're not in prison you know <laughs> just take a moment to make the food look nice and slopping it on. Oh. So that is pretty challenging. Ongoing challenge with food. And you get new people in and they don't know anything about the food and so you've got to make sure they're educated about what's in it. And, you know, sometimes you hear them say, oh. you know, they'll, they'll say, somebody will say, is that spicy? Which is one of the biggest questions. Is that spicy? Yes. And they'll go, no. And I'm going, oh, oh, I think it is. <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah. So um yeah, but just learning learning about I just love having my own business. Mm-hmm. And I think you get to a certain age. I don't think I was ever a very good employee. Mm-hmm. I had a bit of a little too much attitude probably. Mm. You're probably always destined to be yeah, a business I, owner. Yeah, I probably should have done it years ago. Mm. And and it's funny because we went on a family trip to Lebanon in two thousand and nine and they all entrepreneurs they've all got their own businesses and mm. I don't know how they make money because there's seeming no seemingly no economic base in that country it's it's pretty shambolic but my brother a different brother and I came away going we we should be in our own business we're uh, you know it's in our blood mm. why are we doing this 
It was a revelation, actually, because our father and his brothers were dry cleaners. They set up a dry cleaning business, and that's how they supported three massive families. Mm. Those are the days where everything had to be dry cleaned, of course. Um, I don't think we even have one here, do we, in Monica, a dry cleaners? No, we don't. So Inglewood... You could set up a business. Oh, such fun. Family family tradition. Oh, I'd love to spend all day over that hot steam press. Yes, no, not good. And how did you, you know, how did COVID, the whole situation, the lockdown, and because you had a Queenstown. Yeah, we opened the Queenstown two years ago and it was tough over there and it took Mm. us a long time to actually start making money. Mm. And then two months after we started making money, it, um, it, uh, COVID came. So that was a bit of a disaster. And so we, we, we had great landlords, you know, but, you know, the rent over there is super expensive, huge amount of competition. It's, it's hard. It's hard, Queenstown. Why do you think it's, you've succeeded in Wanaka more than in Queenstown? Yeah, it's just, it's, look, it's just been a bloody good formula, I have mm. to say. And it's, you know, we've, it's a combination of luck. It's, it was just a right time to do that, mm. that idea. Plus, it was a, it's a good idea. It was a risk, but it worked. It worked mm. out. And you what know, we, surprised you about it? You know, is there something that you didn't expect? Like, is there a challenge that you've had that you thought, oh, I didn't expect that? Um, probably millions of those. Probably mm. those every day. Mm. But I think, I mean, it wasn't. It didn't succeed straight away. I mean, our first day was crazy busy, and we were just completely taken because everyone. Everyone wanted to see what was going on. Mm. And then it took, yeah, it took probably about six months, really. To get your systems in place. Yeah, and to start making money Mm. and to be profitable, you know, to be viable, really. Mm. It took about that long. Do you think you'll open another big fig somewhere else? I'd like somebody to open another big fig Mm. somewhere else, but not me. Mm. And that was one of the lessons from Queenstown. Oh, so to finish off the Queenstown Mm. story... So, you know, I, Shaz moved over there. I moved over there. We got the sister from Wellington came and moved, and we're all living together, <laughs> if you please, in Queenstown, running this shop when COVID came. So we did lockdown together, the three of us. Actually, we did it really well. Mm. We were great, and we worked and did a whole lot of sort of back office stuff we'd be meaning to do. And then the girls were like, we've got to try to get out of here. And I'm like, we can't. We've just like sunk hundreds of thousands of dollars into it, and they're like, "Nah, we can, we can't go on like this. We have to get out because we don't know when this thing's going to be over. It could be, it could be years, mm. because Queenstown needs international tourists. Mm. You know, Wanaka's fine. Wanaka's got holidaymakers, New Zealanders. Queenstown has tourists. It's a completely different, completely different, you know, group. And I'm not saying that. Kiwis don't go on holiday there, especially now. But it, it, you never, ever make up those numbers. So it's, mm. all, it's always going to be hard until they all come back. Mm. So we thought we'll take a, we'll go out and see if we can find someone to take our lease. And after five months, well, the leasing agent was like mm, doubtful, but then she she found someone. In the end, somebody we had two offers on the same day from two different people, and we took one of the offers and we got out. Was that a good moment, or did you feel a little disappointed? Like, oh. Oh, no, no, no. Stoked. Good moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's only, the decision has only got better and better. You know, Mm. moving back here where I love Wanaka, I got a house here, I got friends here. No. And so so that's where I was going to go with this. Mm. I would never go to a town 
just to set up a business mm. again. So that was the lesson. Mm. So yes, yeah, somebody else can open a big fig. Great idea, but not me. Mm. If someone is listening to this and has, mm. you know, experiencing grief or mm. loss, what would you say to them? Walk two hours a day. I was lucky to live on the beach and I would just hit the beach and walk and and just it is transforming. Do you still walk two hours a day? No. But I love walking. I love yeah. walking. Thank you so much. I've really, You're really, welcome. really enjoyed Thank you. talking with you. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next in your life. Me too. In your big, incredible life. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Chrissy. Thanks, darling.